Tracy here. Welcome to season two of the Essential Stepmom podcast. Unconventional advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why unconventional? Because statistics show that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. So the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo are all leading stepmoms straight for the gutter. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well, and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey. This season will feature interviews with some of the most interesting people I know, sharing their outside-the-box expertise as it applies specifically to step families. You're going to hear about modern Buddhism in step parenting, the stress around money in step parenting, new perspectives and insights about bio moms, how to deal with the prospect of never having a child of your own, coping with burnout and adrenal exhaustion, and using the challenges of step parenting to truly become that better version of yourself. I did a live video into my other Facebook group today, the one called One for the Dads. It's a group for the spouses of the women in my spectacular stepmom group. I don't do so much in that group as I do for the stepmoms. The guys tend to reach out when they need to vent about something and they're pretty quiet the rest of the time. But today I wanted to address something that came up in the stepmom group about parental alienation. And in this case, about a teenager who doesn't want to see her dad because she doesn't want to see the stepmom. My husband and I went through this exact scenario, so I thought I could share my experience and reflect on what worked out for us because eventually it did. So here's the audio portion of my live video edited just a bit for podcast. I lost my Wi-Fi at one point and the video was cut short. So I've recorded the second bit properly just for you, dear listener. So I really wanted to do one for you today, especially around coping with alienated teenagers, parental alienation as it affects teenagers. And uh, the reason that this is so hard to deal with is because the teenage years are a time when kids typically alienate themselves. As you know, if you maybe you remember from your own teenage years, but adolescence is a time when we're naturally trying to separate ourselves from our parents as part of the process of developing our adult identity. And so the the alienation vibe of you know pushing a parent away is something that's natural to the teenage developmental stage for children. And the the other reason that parental alienation works so well in all age groups, sadly, is because it piggybacks onto a hurt that the children are already feeling about their relationship with you. And that comes about not only as a result of the, uh, the, the divorce or the separation of your relationship with their mom, but what it means to the child when you develop a new love relationship with another person and potentially even go on to have children with them, which is another 
very, very, very significant um, emotional wound for a child. It just is. And we have to be honest about that. Otherwise, you know, there's an elephant under the carpet that, that we're not talking about. So I had a conversation with my husband today, and you need to know that uh, we are 13 years into our relationship. So I'm 13 years into being a stepmom. And we have passed through parental alienation of, of young kids and eventually of teenagers. And in fact, in this situation, my husband's kids were alienated from each other, which is a really um, kind of special situation for our family. But the very first thing that my husband wanted to say when I asked him what he had to contribute was about the importance of patience and how difficult it can be to be inside of a situation like this when it's happening and and not want it to be okay right now. It's a terrible, painful place to be. And it takes often a really long time to resolve. And the patience and the fortitude are really, really important and difficult. And to that end, my husband has become a very enthusiastic meditator. He spent many, many hours learning and practicing meditation to give himself a a tool with which to cope with the uh, the emotional stress of not being able to connect with your children in a way that you would wish to. Um, so um, patience is, is super important. It takes a long time. We're at year 13 and we just experienced our first Christmas holiday with all of our four kids together in the same place. Uh, after 13 years, which is quite amazing. Our our kids are now, my daughter is 31, and his three are uh, 20, 21, and just turned 25. So, uh, you know, I've known these kids for 17 years, and uh, and we have had some very significant ups and downs. But as I said, at this moment, we just had a, a real watershed moment for our family. It took a very long time. There's been lots of great moments leading up to now, but a, a tremendous amount of difficulty as well. And um, I know that the, the person who I, I'm doing this, this message now because of a post in my stepmom Facebook group. Uh, and this one stepmom was expressing how hard it is for her to feel that she is to blame for the rift in the relationship between her her husband and his kids because they keep saying that they don't want to visit with him because of her and uh, we've totally been there um, that was something that came up for us about 10 years ago or so and um, you know my my husband expressed to his kids as soon as we got together that I, he, he understood and he wanted them to understand that I was not going to be a mother for them. And there was no expectation around that. And there was no expectation for them to have any particular kind of relationship with me. I feel really lucky that they knew me from before. Um, we were friends for a number of years before we uh, became involved romantically. And so 
we already knew each other and I knew that they liked to be with me. So I had that um, supporting me. But at one moment they announced that they didn't want to come and visit and they lived a three hour drive away from us. So it was generally my husband who went there every weekend to see them. But they announced that they didn't want to come because of me. And so now you're in a bind. What do you do if you, you don't want to give in because there's a feeling of allowing the kids to run the show that doesn't feel like good parenting. Um, but if you don't do something, you're going to lose more and more your connection with them because they have a very good reason, supposedly, not to want to come. And so what I proposed, and it's important that it came from me, I don't know how I would have felt about it if my husband had proposed it, but I proposed that I should pretend to be out of town, that I should uh, have something to do on the weekend, I have to go out of town, and so this would be a great time for them to come because I happen not to be here. And in fact, I was camped out at a friend's house right around the corner from where we live. I could practically see our house from there. But I just gave them that space so that they could have uh, a visit without me and do the connecting that they needed to do because the connection is the cure for whatever is going on, for whatever uh, kind of breach in your relationship. Nothing but, you know, physically, literally, emotionally reconnecting with each other is going to is going to fix that. And so, you know, in order to give the medicine, um, I needed to step out of the way. I think I did that twice. I think once I really was away. And so it made another really good occasion for him to invite them to come. And then it was never a problem again. And he reminded me today that um, when his kids arrived, when I wasn't there, they looked around and said, where's Tracy? <laughs> and he said, well, you said you didn't want to come if she wasn't here. And so we arranged this weekend at a time when she was gone. Uh, but they had completely forgotten. And of course, it was not about me. It wasn't ever about me. But, um, you know, in their case, in their particular case, it was a way for them to uh, manage their mother's discomfort with them visiting their dad. And that when they... Uh, when they collectively made it all about me, if I wasn't there, it made it really hard to fall back on another excuse why they didn't want to come. So that worked really perfectly for us. Now I want to talk about what you can do to reconnect with a teen who's being alienated. It's important to remind yourself that you have a strategy. Like a good chess player, you're not trying to just mow down all the pieces until the checkmate. And like a good poker player, you have to have a good idea about the cards that your opponent is holding. It's not all about you and your cards. Finally, if you can bear one more analogy, it's a little like talking someone down from the ledge. Your first goal is just to get them to talk to you and then to keep them talking. It can take a long time to get them to talk to you. And that can be really disheartening the longer it goes on. You might feel sort of helpless to do anything at all. I want you to think about using this time you have on your hands to work on yourself. Strengthen the parts of yourself that are going to help you through this, the things about you that are going to achieve the resolution that you want. There are three important characteristics that I'm going to invite you to work on in particular. 
be persistent, be reliable, and be available. I'll explain more about each of these in turn. First, be persistent. This is my husband's advice, as I said before, and it's what worked for him in reconnecting with each of his three alienated kids, each in their own time, by the way. And when he refers to patience, he's not just talking about knowing that it will take a long time and not expecting things to work out right away. He means staying in the game and not giving up. I'll tell you what persistence looked like in my household. My husband's kids lived about a three-hour drive away from us, and he used to phone them every evening, and he would go there to visit every weekend. He kept phoning, even when nobody picked up the phone, and he had to call three times to get someone to answer, like every single time, for about four years. And he kept going to visit, even when he would ring the doorbell and nobody would answer. He cried a few times. He wouldn't be ashamed for you to know that because it's really not easy and it's not fun. A few times he called and told them that if they weren't outside in 10 minutes, he was going to turn around and go home. You know, the truth is they very much wanted to see him and that's the trouble with alienation. It's a hostage situation and the hostages have to keep living with their kidnapper, at least for the time being. So you can't blame them for doing what they have to do to save their own skins. I'll share another story. It's not mine, but from someone I corresponded with online. She told me that she was alienated from her dad as a teenager and that she ignored his phone calls and his text messages for four years. Then he eventually stopped trying to contact her and she says that broke her heart. You want to say... What the hell? Why would she do that? I would look at it another way. She was getting support from her dad by just seeing that he didn't give up. She wasn't ready to defy her mom or to believe that her mom was feeding her a pack of lies. But at least her dad didn't give up until he did. And by the way, if you have to give up, that's okay. My husband said he was giving up at least a few times over the years. It doesn't have to be forever. You get to write the story of how this goes. Each of my stepkids eventually got away and came to live with us. And that happened because he was persistent. The second thing is, be reliable. I can't say enough about how important this is. Examine yourself closely and see if you are really walking your own talk. You have to consistently do what you say you're going to do. That's just good parenting advice in general, of course, but when you have an alienated child, there's just no wiggle room. Never promise something that you aren't certain you can deliver and never threaten a consequence you're not committed to enforcing. You can say, I'm leaving in 10 minutes if you're not out here, but you have to be ready to really do it. Don't promise a trip to Disneyland when you really mean a camping weekend. You wouldn't believe how much of this kind of thing I hear online. If you miss a weekend when you were supposed to be with your child, you've lost some trust. If you're supposed to pick them up at six and you arrive at seven, that sucks from the kid's point of view. So be scrupulous with your word. 
And finally, be available. Your time is your most important asset. It's actually a non-renewable resource. It's what all kids want from their parents more than anything. In fact, a study done by the YMCA showed that when teens were asked anonymously to say what they wanted more of, it wasn't more independence or more autonomy. It was more time with their parents. I find that incredible. So in this context, you have to be available when they're likely to want to connect. And that might strain your own schedule a bit. You have to be available to connect on their terms. And that will often mean alone and not with your new partner. This is about you and your child or children. As my husband puts it, you're managing two families, not one big one. You might want it to be one big family, but it just isn't, at least not yet. That takes a really long time. For now, you have to think about managing each family separately. I think that's really good advice. And it might even help you to feel a bit less like you're in the middle all the time. Your first family continues to exist, even after you've divorced the mom of that family. I know you might not really like to hear that, but it's true. That's why in my Stepmom Success Lab program, I teach stepmoms about how to respect what I call the energy bubble of that first family and how not to overstep by trying to make a place for herself there. Her place is in a new family she's creating together with you, one that your children will be invited to join if they want, but there's no way to force them to do that. They have to feel welcome without feeling like by becoming part of your new family, that means they're abandoning their mom, and certainly not like they're somehow second-class citizens in this new family. Being available for your kids means more than just giving them time and a new family to become part of. It means being emotionally available. It means really listening and holding space for them to share their big emotions. Sometimes that will mean hearing things that are hard for you. Don't be afraid of hearing their truth, even when you don't agree with it or when it's at odds with what you know to be true. Practice saying things like, I hear you. You're really angry. Tell me more. Especially in a case where your teenager might say that they're angry at your spouse, it could be that they're really angry at you, but it doesn't feel safe to go there. It's important to remind them that it's okay for them to be angry at you. People who love each other are allowed to be angry with each other. You want your child to know that you want them to be honest with you and that you'll always love them even if they're angry at you. So just to quickly recap, be persistent, be reliable, and be available. By the way, this is also your strategy. There is no other strategy unless you think that going to court is a better option. I've never personally spoken to anyone who had that work out. I'm not saying it's impossible. I've just never come across a success story involving the courts and alienated teenagers. If you can work on those three things, you're going to be irresistible to a teenager who really, really wants to make their way back to you. There's no way to go wrong.
That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. That's the very best way you can help other high-performing, alternative-thinking stepmoms to stumble onto this show and discover a community of like-minded listeners around the world. According to Anchor.fm, the platform I'm recording on, we're being heard now in 29 countries. I find that really exciting. If you're a social media kind of person, you're welcome to join my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. If you'd rather just get a more intimate weekly email from me, send me a message with the subject line weekly email to info at essentialstepmom.com. Finally, I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send anything to my personal and confidential email address, info at essentialstepmom.com. That's info at essentialstepmom.com. See you next week.